Welcome to the Tiwahanga Infrastructure for a Better Future podcast, a series where we talk to experts both from here and overseas about the infrastructure challenges we are facing. The episodes focus on the key areas of Rautaki Hanganga o Aotearoa, New Zealand's infrastructure strategy. Find out more about the strategy at strategy.tiwahanga.govt.nz. Earlier this year, the State Highway 10 culvert replacement project won the Excellence in Environmental, Environment and Sustainability category of the 2002 IPWEA New Zealand Asset Management Excellent Awards. At first glance, it might be hard to understand how a culvert replacement project could attract so much interest. But to me, this project highlights the important connection our infrastructure has with our people and places. How important it can be to get infrastructure right for its place, the environment surrounding it, and the people who use that environment. This project represents a unique collaboration between local iwi, the local community, waka kotahi, and contractors. To learn more about this project, we've invited Senior Project Manager Catherine O'Reilly of waka kotahi and Civil Engineer Kat McMullen of WSP to share some of their insights in this episode of Infrastructure for a Better Future. Hi guys, great to talk to you today. Um, I've given that bit of an introduction, but um, perhaps you can tell me a little bit more about this background to this project and uh, how you both came to be involved in it. Uh, so this was um, quite an interesting project. The community for many, many years have actually been um, sort of pushing to get this culvert um, replaced. Um, and it basically came through the capital um, investment partner funding. Um, so that's how Waka Kotahi became involved. Um, also, it was under a state highway, so that's also an, another um, area that involved us. But it was really, the whole project was pushed um, by the community and the local hapu. State Highway 10 is obviously a really important lifeline for um, the Northland community and a really important piece of infrastructure. But I guess this project also shows that sometimes infrastructure um, is not without its negative consequences. Can you kind of talk a wee bit about, um, you know, what happened um, when the original causeway uh, was put in and perhaps why there was the community frustration with some of those outcomes? Original bridge basically came to the end of its life and uh, back in those days sort of 60 odd years ago um, the resource consent um, process wasn't in place uh, instead of replacing a bridge which you know bridges are quite expensive it was decided to basically put a causeway across the small estuary and put um, a small 450 diameter culvert underneath to allow some water flow so basically the estuary was cut off, unfortunately. Um, and having seen uh, kind of the original area or photos of it, that, that seems to have had a really detrimental impact on um, uh, that kind of surrounding environment and history. So no wonder there was quite a lot of, um, uh, I guess, um, community angst, community frustration. Um, you know, is that a fair description of kind of the feedback you were, you were getting that ultimately drove this project? Previously, it had been used to um, harvest, you know, sort of the shellfish in the area to, to fish, and suddenly that um, asset um, had gone for them. 
So restoring it has actually given them that opportunity to go back to their sort of ancestral areas um, where they actually sort of harvested their um, kaimawana. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the evolution of the project? How um, uh, did it come about um, and how did you bring together this team that seems to have worked so well um, and collaboratively on this project? We started off, there was a lot of consultation with the, the iwi in the area and a lot of ideas were actually discussed and options and the initial option was actually to put in a box culvert. Um, and that's where WSP came in. They came in and looked at the potential designs, and we thought we had a great option. You know, option, and we um, brought along Fulton Hogan, and they came back and they said, um, "We can't actually build this." Yeah, <laughs> like constructability was a massive problem. Um, so with with the required inlet level for the culvert it was actually to build that would have been like the cost for either temporary works or the methodology would have been cost prohibitive. It just would have, it, it would have been a project killer, basically. Um, so we went back to the drawing board. <laughs> so, so we actually pulled, we actually sat in the room. So there was Waka Kotahi, Fulton Hogan and WSP and we sat in conference room. Was this one? <laughs> and with a whiteboard and pen, and we ran through multiple options of how we could actually go about it. We had to be able to keep the state highway open. Um, we had to, a budget that we had to stay within. Yep. And we also had a fairly tight time frame that we um, had to meet. Incredibly tight. I looked up the minutes. That meeting for that memo was late June, and we had to be on-site breaking ground by September. So it was incredibly tight. <laughs> so, I mean, these are timeframes we just don't see achieved in government <laughs> very often. What was the secret source? How did you pull it off? ECI, I think, yeah, would have been. And, um, and our team was pretty well established. So we, we were lucky. So it had to be awarded the way it was because of the time constraints. But then that allowed us to use a team that we were already using on the Mangamuka Gorge for that 2020 repair, and then uh, also on the Northland Bridges. So it's um, a strong, strong team. Yeah, that, the Lots team. Of trust. Love, exactly. <laughs> yeah. so I was just going to say a lot of trust between the team and um, a really good collaborative working environment. We all had, you know, we all respect each other and. So when people come up with ideas, you know, you're free to you know, express, you know, options and everything and nobody knocks anyone back. So that ECI and collaborative environment was what actually got us across the line. Yeah. It we seems to me that that is so often um, the untalked about part of project success, uh, you know. People uh, seem to think infrastructure is is built out of concrete and steel, but uh, I guess my experience is so often that that infrastructure is only great because the people involved in it and, and the way they come together to create um, kind of unique ideas and solution. And it certainly seemed uh, seeing the team on stage at the IPWEA um, conference that that it really had been um, a, a team effort and you'd come together to form those those really trusting relationships. Um, uh, you know, how do we how, how do we learn from that in, in more projects? Um, how do we create 
those those trusting conditions that you guys seem to have that enabled you to operate so effectively. So there have been some quite strong, uh, big changes within Moko Kotahi about um, the procurement processes, but also how we view projects. We look looking at end to end. So basically, you come in at the business stage, you go through your pre-implementation, your implementation. You have a a consistent person, and also we. I have sort of now started to heavily involve iwi and also um, we're looking at a far more collaborative approach to a lot of our work uh, and that is starting to you know come through in, in projects like this one I think that's a great segue um, it seemed to me that that local iwi and hapu were really placed at the center um, of the project and a lot of the conversations and decisions um, can you explain uh, how that process worked, the kind of value that added, but perhaps also the challenges um, of taking such a consultative approach to a project? It was challenging because you don't, you're not dealing with a, a single entity. So on this project, we had um, three clear entities that we were working with. There were actually um, quite a few more peripheral um, groups, but we had three who were directly um, associated with it. Um, actually being willing to listen to, to their points of view and also taking on board what they were saying and trying to, you know, incorporate and work with them out on site. But um, I think it was a case of they learned early on that they could actually come to us if they had any concerns. They felt that they were being heard. And um, so that definitely you know, sort of smoothed the way for a lot of things. How do you think that's ultimately um, kind of helped build your social license in the community um, and uh, kind of, I guess, given us the permission to keep investing in this infrastructure that is so important um, for so many of our communities? Um, it's good because it's, it's established that relationship mm. now and now we're going back to them, you know, for other other projects related in the area and we've got that that relationship to build on now and i think too it's um helped in the wider um sort of area as well because i've actually been able to see what has been achieved with that collaborative um sort of approach so i think it's some on some of our other projects i think it's definitely going to help in the future um, because there's going to be good feedback from this particular one yeah they can see they're being heard yeah yeah I mean, that's fantastic. I think so often, um, you know, we, we can be good at uh, trying to do consultation, but uh, so often people can't see uh, their feedback being incorporated um, and actually see that they're being heard. But, um, uh, you know, so I think it's a real credit to everyone involved um, uh, that, that that time was taken. Um, I guess one of the other things I was really interested in talking about is obviously this project has taken place um, in a coastal environment, and we know um, that our coastal infrastructure uh, is, you know, coming under increasing threats. Uh, we're seeing these challenges, I guess, right around the country um, right now. Um, you know, we we understand this area is subject uh, to flooding. Would you be able to talk a wee bit about how you kind of considered? Uh, resilience in the future and, and the ultimate design of this this project. So, unfortunately, as you said, that area of Set Highway 10 
has always flooded and likely will will always flood. Um, so we knew that building a structure that would be above those flooding levels was not not feasible with the budget that we had. Um, so instead, we focused on making it resilient for flooding. So it is designed to cope with being underwater. And um, yeah, that 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 was what our focus became was to to build something that could cope with the flood rather than trying to build something that would beat it. Um, yeah, and opening that that channel of water up has also helped lessen the impact on um, homes inland because it allows everything to dissipate quicker than it was before. Uh, that's a win. So, yeah, yeah. So we we basically created a secondary overflow path. So the main main actual channel or main outlet is about kilometre and a half down the road, um, and so we've actually sort of opened this extra sort of exit for the water. So re-established, re-established. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this additional exit. So yeah, it, it, overall um, the storm and flooding impact uh, will actually that it will dissipate a lot quicker. Um, which again is just amazing to, uh, I guess, show the widespread impacts uh, of infrastructure, you know. Um, you know, roads are just not roads, but they, they have those profound impacts on uh, the lay of the land and the way the environment um, responds to natural events. Um, so I guess, you know, in many ways highlights the complexity of infrastructure. Um, you know, we're never just thinking about one thing, but always thinking about its its consequential impacts. Um, and, uh, you know, what a great outcome that, um, I guess, transport investment can also have that kind of secondary benefit um, of reducing flood risks for, for surrounding properties. Um, it seems that those kind of broader benefits, um, both physical and the wider community benefits, were a real focus um, for the project team. We hear a lot of talk about broader outcomes. Can you tell me how you kind of approached that and some of the things you were able to achieve uh, through this this project? Megan actually um, were really proactive on actually utilising um, sort of local contractors as much as possible uh, to actually help that. So, you know, one of our Wakakotahi's broader outcomes is to actually, you know, try and, you know, provide as much um, employment and utilisation of sub subbies in the area. So there's um, multiple benefits. So we've got a, our carbon footprint, which we're trying to reduce. So anything that you can actually utilise locally is better. Um, it adds to the economy of the area if you utilise it. And uh, Fulton Hogan try, if at all possible on the project, to try and take on additional staff or even temporary staff or take on some youngsters to actually give them a taste of what construction's all about with the, you know, with the hope that they will, you know, stay with them or, and carry on. So there's multiple facets that Fulton Hogan in particular really did a really good job on, on this job. Um, my understanding is that even worked into kind of developing uh, future nurseries and different initiatives that, that will provide kind of an enduring benefit um, to the community. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Fulton Hogan um, came to an agreement with 
the it's an Ewe Trust. Ewe Trust, yeah. Yeah. That own the quarry the it's a old quarry site that's right next to where the project is. And so they had an agreement to use material from that site to build our temporary road, which you can see is if you look at the the bridge, it's the um what's what remains of it has been left as a fishing area and planted <laughs> one afternoon. Um, and that so part of that, they used the material that they borrowed from that to then shape um, the old quarry into what the trust had envisaged to um, to create their nursery in. So um, that involved also providing an access way off Back River Road to remove that from the state highway to make it a bit safer. And and yeah, it looks it looks amazing now compared to what it was. I mean, uh, all of those things I I, I think um, are a real um, credit to the project and show the importance of um, you know uh, infrastructure not just being um, something that is is designed and delivered remotely um, because at the end of the day those opportunities can only come. Um, from I guess that that engagement with the community and understanding place the surroundings and, and those opportunities. Um, uh, are you able to talk through any lessons, things that are particularly top of mind um, from you from this project? Any tips you've got that would be useful for others um, working out there uh, trying to deliver um, important infrastructure around the country? Communication. I think I think that's our I think that's our big win is that everybody involved in the project could pick up the phone and talk to anyone else and just have what they needed to say be heard and they knew who to contact as well so we all had different points that we were managing because as as, as we noted before the timeframes were very very tight so everyone had a defined role and helped out yeah. I think that is another thing too yeah everyone had a a clear role. They knew what they needed to do to to get to that you know to that end point, and I think that was something people didn't tend because it was tight. You knew your role. You didn't sort of start, start interfering in anyone else's area, and so everyone stuck to their lane really well. Um, and so that was a really big positive outcome. You know, with that, it's approach. just a really good team. It is. We're really lucky. We are. <laughs> Very lucky. It's been fant a fantastic project to work on. Uh, I have to say that um, good people get lucky, and um, it, it seems that it's very clear that there probably wasn't so much luck in this. Um, <laughs> but a whole lot of people that that were really um, committed to delivering good outcomes for their communities. So, um, I guess I just wanted to to finish by passing on our congratulations um, for what I think was a well deserved um, uh, award at the IPA. WEA conference um, and really thank you for your time. I think it is so important um, for so many of us to remember um, that kind of impact that that infrastructure has on our communities and that um, our infrastructure is not some intangible thing, um, uh, but actually part of um, our community fabric and really influences the way we live in our communities and interact with our environment. So um, thank you very much for the conversation today. It's been great to chat with you. And uh, thank you again for kind of the work you're doing to support a thriving Aotearoa. Cheers. Thank you for having us. Thanks for listening to Infrastructure for a Better Future. 
To find out more about the infrastructure challenges we are facing, visit strategy.tiwahanga.govt.nz.